Blog Talk Radio. So thanks for watching. Make sure you subscribe. Just subscribe below. And don't forget to hit the bell to get notified when I have new videos out about sex and the world we live in today. Today's video is Quinn Alexander Fontaine, trans guy and author of Hung Like a Seahorse. Enjoy. four years into my transition, female to male. I'm in recovery for a whole lot of stuff. I've written a book, believe it or not, called Hung Like a Seahorse, a real-life transgender adventure of tragedy, comedy, and recovery. And um, in this book, I just talk about everything. I I consider myself a truth teller. Um, If I can't do anything else on the planet, what I can bring forward is truth about my healing, about my journey, about surviving pre-verbal childhood sexual abuse at the hands of my dad, about now forgiving him and making peace with that, around recovery from all kinds of addictions. I'm just realizing we did like my uh, national book tour and uh, pretty excited. I wrote this book. I sat down to write my third solo show and nothing was coming. And I had the title and that was about it. And I called some friends who had a publishing company. I said, can you pull a book out of me? And they said, yes, we can. And, we, and they did. And the book's title, which... Hung Like a Seahorse. Calming, it's soothing, it, brings, it helps you get into alignment with mind and body, which I had never been before tra- my transition. Um, I'm almost four years into my transition, female to male. September 17th of this year, 2018, will be my four-year anniversary. Four-year anniversary. Yeah, four-year anniversary. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. So at what point, you said you started your transition four years ago. What exactly does that mean? That means I got crystal clear about to save my life, and these are just my words and this is my experience, to save my life, I had to transition. I've been dealing with... um, suicidal ideation since the age of 11, and when my trauma came up for me at age 37, I have major trauma at the hands of my dad, um, sexual violation, rape, etc., etc., as a baby through toddlerhood, and I didn't remember my life before 11. I had pieced it together through photographs, and so when my life fell apart at 37, uh, and I started doing this intense trauma healing, my life fell apart, but it finally started to make sense. Mm. All the triggers, all the sexual weirdness, all the kinks, all the fear, all the overwhelm, all mm-hmm. the sudden crying, just a lo- everything made sense. Right. Um, and it took, I, would be, I still do my trauma work, not weekly, but when it comes up, I, I do the work with a wonderful therapist uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And um, when I got really clear, because for a long time I thought I had to figure out what came first, the trauma or the trans. Okay. And now I realize, and this is my these are my, this is my experience, my words, that for me, as a little boy growing up in a female identified body in rural Virginia in the 70s and 80s, who also liked girls and couldn't talk about any of this to anybody, there were no 1-800 helplines back right, then. Right. The word transgender didn't exist, and right. I'm looking around my small town, like where are my people? Uh-huh. Not seeing them. And like a lot of other trans and or uh, gender nonconforming people around the world, even today, which is amazing with the internet, but back then especially, I thought I was the only one on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I knew enough to know that every religion, 
that people were talking about didn't welcome me or love me or promote or encourage or include right. me. And so that fed into a lot of uh, feeling lost and I, I call being trans part of my trauma. And it's healable. Mm -hmm. But because it was a piece I couldn't be with or talk to anybody about, it was a piece I had hid in secret and I felt ashamed of and felt like I was the only one on the planet, like I said. So after years and years and years, years, literally, 13 or more years of trauma healing, uh, I got really clear, like, it's time to do this next piece, this bigger piece. Because it didn't matter what came first, the trauma or the training. Right. <clears throat> I did years of residual healing around the trauma pieces mm -hmm. and around all mm -hmm. that work. But until you started doing the transitioning, that piece wasn't going to heal itself. Right, right. right. I okay. had to get really clear. And I'll tell you, I was so scared to transition. And talk about projected out trauma, which mm -hmm. would be transference or projection. My fear at one point was it wasn't in the moment. It wasn't thinking, oh, next, next thing, next thing, next thing. It was really picturing out. If I start testosterone, and what if I start testosterone and I don't pass as a male? It's right. very important to me to pass. Right. Some people it's not important, and I'm also lucky that I pass. Mm -hmm. um, it's not special, it's lucky, and I get that. But I also choose to live um, transparently. I don't want to go back in the closet with anything. I don't need to be stealth. Now, there are times that I choose to be stealth, Okay. but I live my life very out loud. Okay. You know? okay. um, and I say that because early in transition, as before I started the shot, the T shot, mm -hmm. testosterone shots, mm -hmm. one of my projections and fears was, what if I begin my transition, and what if I just look like an effeminate gay man, right? And what if I get gay bashed, and what if I'm murdered? Talk about trauma. Mm -hmm. That was my trauma from my other trauma, right? Beating right. into this one and pro projecting out. And at one point, I was scared to leave my house because I'd go to the store and it'd be like, "You finding everything you need, ma'am?" One all over. Girl, you good? So it was like, who am I? You know, and I didn't have, my core wasn't strong. Mm -hmm. So I needed the outside world to mirror back that I was safe and okay. Because right. I didn't feel safe and okay. Right. And I was back to this place in my life, Mo, where I was like, is it safe to have any body for me? Mm -hmm. Is it safe to be in any body this incarnation? And for a while I didn't know. But I knew I had to stay with the transition. Okay. Because tiny bit by tiny bit, for the first time in my life, I was feeling what it felt like to be in alignment with mind and body matching up. Like that had never happened before consistently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that was new. And I started day by day to feel more at home. And now, for the first time in my life, I can say I'm home. I'm home. My body temple is my temple. And it's my wow. home. Wow. That was like this esoteric idea, this spiritual thing for other people. Because uh -huh. I've had a lot of lists in my life that I can't be a part of. Like, oh, I'll never find the, the real love. Or I can't mm -hmm. have that. I'm not this or this and this. Like a long list of things. Right. I'm not allowed to. All of right? it. Yeah. So or I'm not poor. Okay. Or I'm not straight. Mm -hmm. I'm not a cisgendered guy. I'll never meet the right woman. Mm -hmm. All that. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Just talk. Um, stories that we stories tell that we, ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From so early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And that's what trauma is. It's mm -hmm. those stories that perpetuate. It's so true. Mm -hmm. So true. So you also are sober. Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Of course, bit? of course. Okay. Uh, April 12, 2006, I left Los Angeles. Uh, I went to a treatment center in Santa Fe, New Mexico called, the name alone got me there. Um, I had been using crack cocaine and drinking for a year and three months straight, trying to die. Uh, this was pre-transition. This is 12 plus years ago. And um, 
at the end of my run, I called my therapist like I had promised her I would do. I promised her I would do. At the end of your run? Like a jog? No, at the end of serious drug and alcohol use. Okay, okay. Um, my trauma came up at age 37. Okay. I got in with the therapist here in L.A., and we were in, I was in therapy three times a week for the longest three months of my life. And uh, towards one of the sessions at the end of that run, those three months, an image of me as a baby in diapers came up. And it's not God, it's not my higher self, it's not my higher power. Something, though, shut that down for me. Something just said, uh-uh, you can't go there, we're not going there, and shut it down. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that session, my therapist said, okay, my name at the time was Kathleen. And uh, just a side note, a lot of trans people call their birth name their dead name. And they're horribly offended and hurt if you say it. So, again, in that realm, I'm different as well. I've made peace with the fact that my name was Kathleen for 47 years. Okay. Um, I'm okay with that. But just to be mindful, if you do have trans friends or are meeting trans people, don't ask them what their birth name was. It's, it's a sensitive subject for a lot of people. Okay. My therapist said to me, Kathleen, at the end of, just at the end of that session just now, did you feel yourself shut down? I said, yeah, I did. There was an image of me as a baby in diapers, and something shut it down. I didn't know what to call it at the time. Just something shut it down, and I was grateful. Um, that night, went home, got online looking for sex. Mm -hmm. You're a sex therapist. Mm -hmm. And I tell everybody this, but I feel super comfortable with you, and I'm grateful for the work you do. Mm -hmm. so thank you. Thank you. I'm say that on camera. Thank it's really thank special. You. There's so many, uh, this is a side note, but it fits right in. There are so many uncomfortable conversations that we need to start having on this planet. And if we can't start having the conversations, then we can't start having real healing. Right. you got to feel it to heal it, and you can't feel it if you're not talking about it. Right. Right? Right. So thank you for what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your story with, with people. Everyone needs to hear it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, it's absolutely my honor. Absolutely my honor. Um, so I, I got home that night, uh, got online looking for sex. And this is back when Craigslist had the uh, casual encounters mm -hmm. section. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for nonsense. And I found it. You know, this wasn't a popular thing. This didn't happen a lot. Right. So later, when I put all the pieces together, I know that spirit was holding me and taking. So I found a woman on Craigslist that wanted to act out a consensual rape scene. Okay. And I got really lit up because after my trauma came up, I was having rape fantasies. Mm -hmm. I'd never in my life had those fantasies. I'd never in my life thought that was that was never something that got me excited. That okay. was never a kink. That was never something that got me excited. All of a sudden, it was. And I did have a contract with my therapist. If I ever thought I was going to leave, I lived on a sailboat at the time. If I ever thought I was going to leave the sailboat with my bag of tricks, my strap on and all my toys and all that nonsense, going out on some kind of inappropriate, dangerous hunt, if you will, or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. I had to call her right away and go to the emergency room. Okay, so you had a history of this at that point. I had never done any of this. Okay. I, after my trauma came up uh -huh. and I knew I had been raped, uh -huh. all I wanted to do was the other thing. I wanted to rape. But it wasn't constant. It was just coming up in flashes and moments and desires. So I was speaking truth to, about that mm -hmm. to my therapist, and we had a contract in place. Okay. That if I was ever going to go potentially act that out, right. that I would call her and go to the emergency room. Got it. Now that was with, you know, someone I knew or anything else. To find that someone that wanted to act out a consensual rape scene was different. Right. It's not what you and your therapist had contracted about. Right. right. This was a whole different thing. This is like almost like a play scenario. Yeah, and you know, right. this is the first time I'm actually saying this. Yeah. I've shared this. It's in my show as well. Yeah. My first solo show. Uh -huh. um, I've never made that connection that I knew I was protected and held down the line. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I didn't think, oh, this is amazing. A safe 
a safe place to mm-hmm. go do this. Um, but it, it was. Um, I went met this woman. It could have been crazy, and it wasn't. Thank God. Okay. And acted out this scene. And afterwards, she's like, you want some Coke? And I said, no, I hate that drip. And she's like, you want to smoke some? Okay. And I was already in a place in my life mode that was like, F life. I can't be here. I don't know how to be here. I don't know how to be here with my life story. I don't know how to disengage from my life story. I don't know how to really be with the fact that I've been, I was perpetrated as a baby. My welcome to the planet was it's not safe to be here in your body. And that wasn't even the right body I was supposed to be in. It's mm-hmm. just so much. And um, anyway, when she offered me the crack, no part of me said, oh, Kathleen, you're supposed to say no to crack and heroin. Right. No part of me lit up like that. It was just like, fuck life. Can we cuss on We can cuss on We can cuss here. You're at home, just say a couple words you don't normally say. <laughs> um, so, and then like within, you know, we just spend all night fucking, talking, processing, smoking, and drinking. Okay. The next day, and I was in therapy three times a week. So okay. very soon, it was time to go back to therapy. Right. And I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, oh, God, i got to go to therapy. And I did. I somehow got there. I drove there. And I told the truth. I'm sitting there with my therapist. I said, we should probably tell something's up. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's like, uh-huh. I go, I'm high on crack. I'm drunk. But I'm mostly high on crack. Uh-huh. And I can't do this kind of intense therapy stuff and smoke crack at the same time. Right. I'm going to go smoke crack. I'll call you when I'm done. And right. she said, Kathleen, do you, do you get what you're saying? And I said, I do. And she goes, do you know how dangerous that drug is? I said, I do. And I said, I, I honor the work we've done. I love you. I respect you. I just can't go there. I can't go there. I'm going to go do this. I'll call you when I'm done. Okay. Fast forward a year and three months. Wow. Of smoking and drinking and fucking and processing and being not nonsensical. Every was, day? Uh-huh. It was fun for the quickest time you did. Right. That's a lot. I mean, yeah. every day. I got down to 120 pounds. Wow. Every day. And it was cute for the first little bit. Um... Yeah, oh wow. And so at the end of it, and this is after a year and three months, this is after sleeping very little, eating very little, mm-hmm. down to 120 pounds. I take, when I knew I was going to crash out and sleep, I take a huge hit and hold it in and watch my vein go slower and slower and slower as I'm holding my breath with all this crack in my lungs. And my only prayer at the time, how amazing that we prayed in in such a different way, mm-hmm. but my only prayer at the time to a God I didn't believe in or do business with, right. or whatever. Or any of those things, yeah. for that matter, yeah. Well, take me, I'm done. Mm. Take me, I'm done. I don't know how to be on this planet. You know, and every morning I, when I wake up, I couldn't believe I was still awake. Mm-hmm. So it's a miracle I have my teeth. It's a miracle I, have, I can perform sentences. Right. Because at one point in the use, about six months in, I'd have, an, I'd have a huge hit, then I'd have an epiphany, and it would be, oh my God, oh my God, I figured it out. I don't remember the rest of the sentence. And that was the sentence. That was the whole thing. So I'd have an epiphany, start talking, fully excited, mid-sentence, realize I don't know where, what the rest of it is, and say that without a pause. Done. And we'd look at each other completely scared, but addicted, and not knowing how to ask for help or put the pipe down, mm-hmm. and we'd say, right back at it. And I have a photo. Can I show that? Yeah. I actually have a photo. I'm on a, a book tour, so I, I travel with these photos to, uh, I think slideshows are a little bit impersonal. So I actually like something I can oh, touch, that's and these smart. are huge. Yeah. But this is a photo of me down to 120 pounds. Wow. Look at that. And uh, I don't remember the frame of what we had. Right. This is probably but, uh, wow. And it wasn't like, oh, take a picture of this, this is sexy, or this is amazing, or you're going to write a book down the road. No, none of that happened. It was like, capture this moment. Capture this. 
this might be the last time you live moment. Yeah, I don't know that I felt that in the moment, but okay. part, maybe partly, mm-hmm. but something was like, capture this, because this is crazy. Yeah. And capture this, because we don't have to stay here, even though that wasn't my thinking at the time. Right, right. Something else told me to take a picture of that. Right. So, I share it, not because I'm proud of it, but this is one of the only times in my life I'm wearing gloves and everything else, because when you smoke crack, you cannot stop working the lighter. So your fingers are all broken and cut mm. from changing hands and trying to do this and work with different fingers because they're all cut. And mm. I mean, I'm talking 24-7, couldn't stop lighting it up. Wow. And this was one of the only times in my life I was comfortable being naked because crack took the curves away like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was very um, androgynous. Um, no but curves. I, but I knew this yeah. was crazy. This uh-huh. wasn't... Uh-huh. Yeah, this is crazy. There's another photo in my book from years later um, where, uh, right before I went to Menninger Psych Hospital in Houston. Okay. And I had a psychotic break. I hadn't been able to shower mm-hmm. for six weeks. I'd taken French baths. Um, when was the psychotic break before or after? This is, this is just, this is right after, right after I started testosterone. Oh, okay. So years later, years I'm later. bumping around. Okay. Bumping okay, around. that's okay. No pun intended with bumping around. If you're out there doing coke, put it down. There's help for you. You don't have to do that. Um, I'm a miracle. I don't, I'm not saying that to toot my horn or anything. Uh, I never wanted. To, I didn't start choosing life. To be honest, I didn't start choosing life until the last about a year and a half. And I'm almost four years into my transition, and there was some a rough road in the beginning of that. But if you're out there struggling. Just hold on, you know, hold on to, to life, hold on to love, hold on to people that you know or you can reach out to. And the biggest thing about, is about isolating. You know, there's, there's a great saying in recovery that says, there's an I in illness and a we in wellness. Mm-hmm. That's literally the verbiage and the truth of it. Right. We can't do it alone. So Yeah. Community is so important yeah. for healing. Oh, yeah. And, and just for being, yeah. right? Without community... We don't grow without community. We we can't change. We can't. We don't have the reflection mm-hmm. of ourselves. Sure. So when we experience trauma, we have a tendency to wanna go hide, mm-hmm. shut away from the world. But we actually prevent ourselves from growing. So mm-hmm. do reach out for help 100%. There's someone out there that can help you. There's if you're in Los Angeles, there's free clinics everywhere. Um, there's 800 numbers. And with whatever you're struggling with, them. there's no right. reason anymore in this day and age of the internet and so many people wanting to be about help that we need to suffer in silence. So, right. Just squeeze the Manly. Girl talk. Manly. We got a product coming. That's just self. For him and her, his and hers. I'm watching this. This is all going in. G-B-I-T-Q-7531-2-4. Here's the deal. Someday, we're going to get real and not have to have any of those labels. We're going to realize we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And for my agnostic and atheist friends out there, just go straight to earthlings. We are earthlings. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right? right? Yeah. Right here. You saw it right here. Everybody's got a little elbow. <laughs> Check.